The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. In this morning's Irish Daily Mail, it is revealed that big money divorces are well and truly back. There's been a staggering 71% increase in divorces at the High Court in the past five years. Rising house prices are playing a huge part in this battle as more and more couples are fighting for the division of their substantial assets. Now, joining me is family law solicitor Keith Walsh. Keith, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, um, you don't necessarily have to go to the High Court and, in fact, unless your estate is worth a few bob, you don't get to go to the High Court. Yes, the High Court only deals with divorces or separations or cohabitant disputes uh, where there are assets in excess of three million. That rules out 98% or 99% of the population, really. Okay. Uh, There was a lower limit, wasn't there? It was one million until uh, about 10 years ago when it was increased by uh, by the the Oireachtas to uh, three million. Mm. Now, uh, when they're looking at assets, though, obviously the, the main house would be the asset and whatever that might be worth, depending on where you live. But there could be a holiday home. There could be a pension plan. There could be maybe a few stocks and shares somewhere. There could be inheritance from one party's parents. There could be. And I mean, a new element of wealth that I've seen in the last 10 years are these shares from uh, particularly tech companies where they give you, they issue you shares as a kind of a bonus or every year. And that's, you get share options. You get and share then, options, exactly. Yeah. And if you encash them, and they've led to very, very substantial packages for an awful lot of people. And that's, a, that's part of the new wealth, as well as entrepreneurs who create uh, wealth in their companies or inherited wealth as well. Now, what happens when a couple maybe own a business together? And if the business is to keep going, really, one of them has to run it if the two are going to separate. Yeah, I've, I've seen very, very few cases where a husband and wife can continue to work in the same building, never mind in the same office, after, after the relationship has ended. Uh, so really what happens then is, I suppose, the choices are, do you, do you sell the business, which you would lose a huge amount of value, or do you try and come up with some kind of temporary package to get you through the divorce negotiations, and then one buys the other out, or, or somebody buys the other person out, and, and they try and work together. But that's, that's one of the most difficult ones to solve, really. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, do you have a kind of a typical profile of the kind of couples who are going going for these expensive divorce and they will be expensive if you go to the high court they'll be very expensive so I, I suppose the, the typical kind of, of people uh, that I get I'd get an awful lot of business people who've, who if you like are first generation money makers they've gone out they've set up the business uh, they've run it um, uh, they've hired all the staff they may have done a, an IPO or some sort of sale but they've generated very significant uh, money those people tend to be slightly older because they've spent a huge amount of their life uh, dedicated to the business and also I act for the spouses of those people so um, if you like there's two completely distinct uh, roles so the person who runs the business is really all over the finances whereas the spouse who's done all the work at home with the children may not be as aware of the of the finances and and I suppose it's the huge differences between the amount of knowledge that the person who's run the business has and the spouse who hasn't been involved and I suppose to, to be fair the spouse has to be brought up to speed on that. You now know? Are, there, are there rules? In other words if two people are separating and in our jurisdiction we have no fault. I mean it doesn't yes. matter whether you had sex on the steps of the pro-cathedral is what I always said with a stranger. It doesn't matter. No, it's unless the the conduct between the two spouses is gross and ob- uh, is the misconduct is gross and obvious. Now that's a very high bar. That's criminal. It's not adultery. It's really, really very serious. 
uh, inter-party inter violence, really horrific stuff. So you'll know that when you see it. And generally that isn't present in, in, in um, the vast majority. Of OK, cases. so is it then the rule... 50-50? No, it's not 50-50. It's based on a set of criteria that are set out in Section 20 of the Divorce Act. And that would be, one of the big factors would be the length of the marriage. Uh, the I suppose the, the work that both parties have done, both inside the marriage and outside the marriage in terms of uh, in the family or at home. And again, typically, if somebody is running a business uh, or a, a new tech setup or, or startup, they will have been dedicating an awful lot of their their private time as well as their 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 um, business time to the business. So uh, the court looks at a whole variety of factors. So it's definitely not automatically 50-50. And that's one of the things people are either disappointed or delighted to hear when they come in my door. And I say, well, it isn't necessarily 50-50. It really does depend yeah. so on it, all of these factors. If you've got, you know, really big divorces where yeah. you might have hundreds of millions involved, um, is it the case that the court, the high court will say, you must make proper provision for your children uh, the kind of lifestyle that they've been living, you can afford to maintain it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that half of the accumulated hundreds of millions goes as long as the parties uh, are living in the style to which they've become accustomed. Yeah, to, to some degree, but also the court is going to look at precisely how that money is tied up. And in an awful lot of those hundreds of millions cases that I've come across, they, people have created trusts and they've done all sorts of things to to deal with, with money. And people who have very significant amounts of money uh, try to minimise their tax to a great extent. So I suppose the, the, the important thing, first of all, for Ali, for me to do is to identify, well, look, what is the 100% of the pot? How much money is here? How much of it is in Ireland? How much of it is in, is in Monaco? How much of it is in Florida? How much of it is, is wherever? And to find out, well, look, how much money is actually here? Even before we get into percentages, you have to figure out, well, what is the pot? And I suppose you're... you're and can you access the Mon Monte Carlo pot? Well, the, the, the High Court has, has quite a lot of powers in the context of a High Court divorce uh, to compel uh, husbands or wives to produce accounts, even if they're outside the country, the, the, the person is in this jurisdiction. And if they don't play ball, then there are a lot of sanctions that can be applied to them. Generally, people will play ball, but you can get involved in cases within cases about this very issue. So it can get very complex. Um, yeah. Um, the, the, the question then of uh, trusts, can they be cracked open? In some cases they can, in other cases they can't. It depends where they are, it depends how they were made, it depends who made them. For example, in some cases the, the spouses may be the beneficiaries of the trust. In other cases they may have created the trust to try and uh, assist their children and uh, then there's a whole issue about whether you want to open a trust if it's for your children or not. Or And again, that would also depend, like you said, on proper provision mm. and also depend on how much other money there is in the pot yeah. as well. Now, uh, one of the things recently there was discussion about, uh, you know, tax, having a wealth tax. And uh, it was quite a lively uh, discussion on this uh, station. And there seemed to be a lack of understanding maybe on the left that just because someone's value is X, it doesn't mean that it's liquid. You know, they, they, they were saying, oh, look at the Collison brothers and they have uh, billions. Well, they actually don't have billions in cash. <laughs> the billions are their shares. And until they IPO, yeah. they don't have the cash. 
Exactly. So the timing of when you're getting divorced is very important. And we, we've a lot of people coming to us who say, well, I want to get divorced now. And you find out, well, there may be an IPO around the corner or something like that. And that that's a reason. So obviously the other spouse wants to do it a bit slower and it, it depends which side you're on. But also pensions are, are not particularly liquid. And again, the cost of drawing down money uh, the court has a very clear rule, which is it, it's the net value of any asset. So it's after you've paid all the tax, whether it's CGT, income tax, whatever it is. And again, you may have all this money in a company, but to take it out of the company can cost you a small fortune and the timing of it may not be right either. And you may end up ruining an already possibly good asset that is income bearing if you do that. Now, uh, the, the, the wealthier party, shall we say, um, the person who's generated the wealth, be it he or she, um so they end up, you know, passing on far more maybe than the other person uh, has contributed. However, what happens if the party in receipt of this maintenance, for example, gets married? Well, if in receipt, a new marriage would mean that a periodic maintenance, like your monthly maintenance payment, would cease immediately. So if you're, for example... So is there an incentive for people to enter into new relationships but never tie the knot? <laughs> there's a huge incentive to do that from that point of view um, and also there's a, an incentive instead of taking for example monthly maintenance you take a once off lump sum and then if you got remarried you're unlikely to ever give that back but I mean there's So that a, would be the more secure way of getting your loot? That would be the more secure way and also for example there were cases during the Celtic Tiger where people got lump sum payments and the the, the husbands who were in a lot of cases maybe property developers or involved in shares, they subsequently lost their money but the wives held on to it in, the, in that circumstance because they weren't part of the subsequent bankruptcy. Mm. Now uh, we have a referendum coming up uh, and there will be uh, changes voted upon by uh, the electorate. Uh, does the constitution ever uh, make an appearance in the High Court? It, it, it does it does frequently and, and in the context of, of this referendum um, and what people have called the, the woman's place in the home uh, element of it. Um, that Which was, is not uh, uh, actually what it says. It's not actually what it says, but it, 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 it's really about the common good being served uh, by the mother not being compelled by economic necessity to work outside the home. And obviously that would be relevant for divorce cases. And there was a, a case ju- decided by Judge um, uh, Reynolds a, a, a number of years ago, which came before the Court of Appeal on appeal, where Judge Reynolds had decided uh, to award the wife, who was a farmer's wife, who'd worked on the farm and had looked after all the children, four years maintenance after the breakup of the marriage. And uh, uh, the, the Court of Appeal said that wasn't enough. Uh, that she really was not going to be able to be economically self-sufficient within four years and really the maintenance should continue for a much longer period. And in that judgment, Judge uh, Whelan, who's one of the courts of appeal and a former judge, uh, former um, Attorney General said, well, look, you know, I have to look at the Constitution and what the Constitution says. And the Constitution does say uh, that this um, a, a woman's work in the home is part of the common good, and so I have to uh, to take that as the letter of the law. So in that case, uh, what I think uh, the constitutional uh, part, the, the reference to what the woman's place in the home, although it's anachronistic and it's completely out of time, it did assist mm. uh, the the wife in that case. Now Judge Whelan also said, well, look, if a husband was in a similar position, I you know I I would be doing a similar. Uh, service for him. But the removal of that provision may lead to 
a change in how maintenance is calculated for spouses, either husband or wife, who work in the home uh, as opposed to outside the home. So from that point of view, again, I think it was a point well made that changes... It's interesting because it feeds into the whole uh, family thing because if, uh, for example, the children are raised and no longer in the home, um, are we saying that, you know... Washing the dishes is the woman's work. You know, it, it it's so anachronistic it, given it, the way most women work today, both inside and outside the it, home. It is, but also, um, if you like, the courts also think that people, when they're married, they're running a partnership. It's kind of a joint venture. And often times it is said or it's unsaid that one person does all the, the child rearing and the other person does the work mm. outside the home. And it is still common enough. Yeah. Um, what about what people bring into the marriage uh, you know, they might bring a stash and inheritance into the marriage. What happens to that? Is that also subject to divvy? It, it, it's it's interesting in that there's court decisions that say if you get an inheritance, uh, it can be treated as separate, and it isn't doesn't fall within the uh, within the marriage. Or, for example, if you get a personal injury claim which relates to injury to yourself, or if you win the lottery, that may be excluded. Um, however, the, if you get, for example, an inheritance early on in the marriage and it goes into the house or something, it's unlikely you're going to get that back. What about uh, second time rounders? You know. Uh cleaned out on the first divorce to get married. They're still working all the hours that God sends. So inevitably, the second marriage ends up on the rocks. Yeah, I mean, there's an awful lot of that's a triumph of hope over or optimism over reality sometimes. But you you do get a lot of second time rounders and they're the ones who really want prenuptial agreements. The people who've been through it once and are going to get married again say, I really would like to be able to do a prenuptial agreement, but they can't because they're not legal here. They're not legal here, but perhaps they should be. Perhaps they should, particularly for second town rhyme people and maybe also farmers very strongly lobby for this as well. All right, Family Law Solicitor Keith Walsh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.